Good morning, good evening, and good day. You're listening to Drama Buds, an anima podcast. So hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Drama Buds. Today is a first impressions episode on K-drama's hottest show of the season. Korea's hottest drama, honestly. It's doing so great in ratings. Uh, we're talking about Reborn Rich. So my first impressions on the first six episodes, just the first six. What I think about it so far, what I like, what I don't like. And the verdict of whether or not I'll finish, I'll continue, or I'll drop it. Now, recently I've noticed this, that when I see the trailer or when I see the poster of a drama, I already know if I'm gonna like it or not. My intuition has gotten better over the years, I guess. And so, honest to God, when I first saw that uh, the poster with the entire family and then it's torn apart in, in Song Joong Ki's part, I don't know why, I just had this feeling that... Mm, I don't think this is for me. So, <laughs> instead of, you know, judging it immediately, uh, I, I told myself, okay, I'll watch it, I'll give it my best shot, and I won't continue watching it if I don't like the first six episodes. Like, I will ignore, you know, FOMO and wanting to be on top of whatever people are watching nowadays. Like, if I don't like it, I'll drop it. So, despite my gut feeling about this, what's the verdict? We shall see. So, Reborn Rich is written by... By the same writer as designated Survivor 60 Days, which will have a dedicated segment here. Not to compare the two, not to praise one over the other or anything. Just, you'll see, you'll see. And also the writer of Song Kyun Kwan Scandal, director of W, which I've watched a few episodes of. Uh, and also, she was pretty and I'm not a robot. And it stars Song Joong Ki, who I've seen in Arthel Chronicles. Rip, <laughs> rip to Unsom and Saya as we uh, knew him. Good luck to Lee Joong-gi, he's gonna do great. And also, I've watched him in Vincenzo. And it also stars Lee Sung-min, who is our beloved Mr. Oh in Missing. I forgot he was in Juvenile Justice. And I did see him in Miss Korea from 2014. And it also stars Shin Yoon-bin, who is in Hospital Playlist. Now, Reborn Rich is about a man who is the lap dog of this Chebol family. And he's killed... And wakes up in the body of the youngest grandson of the head of that family back in the 80s. So he was reincarnated, I guess, in the past. And so he tries to find out who killed him, like who killed his OG version. And to punish the family that abused him. And also to take the company down from the insider to buy it out. Now, I will not format this as the good, the bad, the verdict. I think it's better to narrate my journey with a show like per two episodes. Just to help you understand understand why I feel the way that I do. And I won't spoil everything because honest to God, I cannot remember everything. But I will spoil something. So just be prepared for that. So the first episode was in Hyunwoo's POV. So Hyunwoo is Song Joong Ki's character in the 2020s. And it showed just how much he was doing for the Jin family and how abusive and entitled they were. And how Hyunwoo isn't valued as a person, but as someone who's efficient and willing to do whatever he's told to do, but is still disposable to them. He emphasized that he survived this long in this position, in this company, because he kept his head down and didn't question anything he was told to do. The one time he tried to think for 
for himself or for the sake of the company, they killed him off. And then he woke up in the body of Jin Dojun, so the youngest grandson. And when he, you know, gets his bearings and figures out what the hell's going on and where he is, he starts to give advice to Jin Yangchol, Lee Sung Min's character. I'll just call him Chairman Jin. He gives advice in making some business decisions and stuff. Imagine this is like a child. I forgot the exact age, but put him at like 10 or 12 years old. So he knows the future, right? He's coming from the future. He knows Chairman Jin's personality and his values through his autobiography that he's been reading for years and years as an adult. And so he, as Jin Dojun, builds a much closer relationship to his grandfather. Okay, fine. I mean, the start was honestly a bit slow. It just took too long. I just think an hour and 20 minutes for anything. Anything except for maybe a finale. A finale episode, I'm more forgiving towards the one hour, 20 minute time stamps. If not, I hate the thought of watching anything more than one hour, 10 minutes. So even just from that first episode, I was... "Mm." But it's fine. It's fine. I wasn't completely sold in episode one because honestly, yes, a bit slow. But it wasn't bad. Like, I I didn't want to drop it immediately. Trust me, there are some shows where within the first episode, I knew I had to drop it. Anyway, episode two was much better. But honestly, I was disappointed that that was the only episode we got with Kim Kang-hoon, the younger version of Jin Do-jun. Kim Kang-hoon, Racket Boys, When when the Camellia Blooms, he's Pilgu. That child is like, honestly, one of the best child actors of his generation really he portrayed this old man this 40 year old man in a 10 year old's body so so well oh wonderful child actually you can say that about anyone in the cast you cannot say anything about this cast they're all great it's just that when we first met them uh, 20 years later in, in the first episode and then we met them again in the 80s where they were younger and they were still like catering to their father honestly I couldn't really grasp their personality yet like it was a lot of catching up on who's who and who's related to who and who married whatever uh, yeah it was a lot of catching up that's fine though it's the first two episodes there are so many of them I, I was just going to give it time I had the patience for that honestly also I don't think I grew sufficiently fond or sympathetic to Hyun Woo in the little time we had with him that's why I couldn't really grasp like hmm what's the goal by the end of episode 2 and honest to god it's why I sound so unsure when I was giving a brief synopsis of the show earlier because even in episode 6 I'm not completely sold on what he wants to do and how all his actions are achieving that I feel like even as of episode 6 we're still in the you know everything's for the long game the long game the long game but I'm not seeing the vision but more on that later god the first two episodes it's okay it's fine Uh, the show actually airs 3 episodes a week but I personally view it two episodes at a time because I think that's still how they wrote the show but JTBC is the one who decided on this airing schedule the first two episodes I had patience for it it's fine it, it's just the start so by the end of episode two we kind of time skipped 
uh, around maybe 10 years and now he's played by Song Joong-ki again. He's in his 20s. He's in law school. He made a lot of money by asking for land that he knew would rise in value in a few years. And now the entire family just knows that he has this great intuition when it comes to investing. But they don't know that it's because he knows the future. He knows which companies will become huge, multi-billion dollar companies or which areas in Seoul will become big commercial areas. Stuff like that. Just knowledge of the future makes him become rich. And he's also starting to dip his toes into the investment world like independently outside of his family by partnering with this foreign-ish investor, this Korean investor in America, Oh Sehyun. And he's kind of secretly interrupting Sun Yang's plans of buying out other companies and other industries. I cannot explain this better because honestly, I don't fully understand it. But trust me when I say this is about 75% accurate. So Jin Dong-ki, the second son of Chairman Jin, he's not the one who's going to inherit the entire company because Chairman Jin kind of follows the, you know, the guideline of the eldest son will inherit everything. So yeah, the second son uh, is trying to expose Dojun's connection to Oseyun, right? That foreign investor that he's doing business through. Okay, they do the usual flashback sequence where they reveal that Dojun knew all about his plan to expose him and managed to get out of it and still stay on his grandfather's good side. You can probably hear the tone of my voice. The, the execution of this is kind of meh to me. And back to the throwing money at each other corporate thing. Sun Yang wins the battle-ish by getting the company that they wanted for much more than what they initially wanted to give. And then the IMF crisis hits them and it's supposed to be this huge win for Dojun because Sun Yang now has this huge debt in a time where the government was really cracking down on conglomerate groups like them. And now we get into the part where I don't know how to really explain why I'm not as thrilled or as excited as I should be about these events. Because I... I feel like the whole time travel thing is really uh, sucking the air out of the room for me because he he's 30 years ahead of the game, you know? It, it's kind of boring to keep watching Dojun win this abstract game with abstract money and abstract people. Like, I get that he wants to do damage to Sun Yang and his method this time was to have this other investor be like a pacemaker that makes Sun Yang bid too high for a company so that, yeah, they rack up this debt and then the economy plummets. I, I get it. I just... I don't understand personally what are the stakes. What will happen if he doesn't succeed? What will happen if Sun Yang decides not to continue bidding and just, just give up on acquiring that company? Or, or is it because he has the knowledge that they will do it? They will push through with it because he knows their personalities. Like, is that the, the intriguing part of it? But then, once again, you know too much about the game. It just never felt like there was a chance for him to lose. And and once again, what will happen if they lose? And for the for the children of Chairman Jin, like, what will happen if they mess this up? Will they be killed by their father? Will they be disowned? Uh, I don't know. Will the entire conglomerate fall apart? Maybe, I guess. What matters to these people? Are they all just chebol caricatures that only care about money and power? Do I have to care about them caring about that? I just feel like at this point, in episodes 3 and 4, none of the characters have really big personalities. 
Jin's, aside from Chairman Jin, like Chairman Jin to me, he paints a very clear picture of who he is. But the children, his children, who take up a lot of time and are supposed to be major players in the game, supposedly, they just want to stay on their father's good side or secure their position in the company or are they also willing to scheme against each other to do what? To impress their father? To make money in their own way? It's like I can describe them. You know, I can describe them in one sentence descriptions maybe, but I'm just not invested in it. They're not fun. They're not fun characters. Honestly, these characters aren't fun. They they seem like chebol stock characters to me. And I feel like if I describe them, I could be describing other chebol characters in other dramas. And for our protagonist, I will get to that later. I will get to my problems with him later. Episode 5 was a slight improvement in terms of stakes. Like, I finally saw a little bit of that in episodes 5 and 6, I guess. In this episode, he was trying to compete with Sun Yang in buying out uh, the company that his father, like Hyunwoo's father, worked in at the time. And his mother, Hyunwoo's mother, when she saw her husband getting beaten up while he was at a demonstration, uh, she died of a heart attack. So by preventing the layoffs, by preventing that rally, Hyunwoo, or Dojun, thought that he could prevent his mother's death. But it didn't work. And his mother died, apparently, of suicide in this timeline. Because apparently she's been investing what little money they had into this Sunyang subsidiary that was liquidated. And it turns out that Sun Yang liquidated that company to follow the the changes that the government wanted conglomerates like them to make just for them to not have as many subsidiaries and stuff. Something like that. Essentially, the government was cracking down on conglomerates so they sacrificed, quote-unquote, some of their subsidiary companies but actually, the money just went back to their slush fund. I don't know. I don't understand stock. But I'm telling you, this is like 75% accurate. Anyway, what I liked about this plot event was that Dojun finally lost. He has to start wondering, is it futile to try and change the future? Like, is there just a way that some things are meant to go? Like, his mother was always meant to die and it would just happen one way or another. And so, with everything he's trying to do, is this still just leading up to the same ending? He as Dojun will vanish and Hyunwoo will die. Like, once again, what, what, what is the point of this? actually. Is it just to find out who killed him? Is it to save himself as Hyunwoo? Once again, the goal isn't very clear because it feels like he could have a million goals at this point. At the moment, the goal seems to be to take Sun Yang down. Okay. Although I like that we were finally addressing you know, the time shenanigans aside from little jokes about pop culture references in the future. Like, honestly, it's not funny when they're like, oh, maybe someday we'll top the billboard or this movie will be whatever, whatever. It's like, mm, whatever, okay. <laughs> you know the future. Although, yeah, I thought we were finally getting into, you know, the nitty-gritty of the time stuff. It didn't stick to that, and it went straight back into corporate scheming, buying companies, throwing abstract money at each other. Note the word abstract. I'm using the word abstract a lot because I feel that everything is just so abstract. I feel nothing towards anything or anyone, that there's no thrill for me here. I'm not 
asking for Chebol family makchang melodrama, you know. I'm not, I'm grateful, honestly, that it has not gone completely off the rails like Little Women did at this point. It hasn't gone that crazy, thankfully. And it's not a complete snooze fest either. Like, there are some even more boring dramas that inspire no curiosity. It's not that bad either. It's not that boring. I'm still a little curious to know what'll happen, but just episode per episode experience is a drag. Because I don't care about the characters, I feel no thrill. And I, I, just, I came into the show expecting to feel some thrill or even expecting to actively root for the main character to win and to get his revenge. But I just, I don't. I feel like fundamentally, it's the time travel that gets to me. That makes me not excited for what will happen. Because although he's trying to change things, he's doing things that are different from the OG timeline, yes. And he's trying to effect some changes and he is changing some things, right? Maybe Sun Yang didn't have this huge debt in the original timeline because they bought out the motor company for too much. Maybe he is able to change things. But I feel like the way he got to his position right now where he's able to effect some change by, you know, earning money, investing in the right real estate, investing in the right companies. I feel like because he knew what was going to happen, because he's from the future, it's not fun i don't know it's not fun it feels like he didn't really start out as a helpless person who's an underdog like yeah he was helpless in his original lifetime but in this one it's like he's always on top he's always winning like i want a revenge story where you feel like an underdog and in this case, you could say, oh, he was an underdog when he was Hyunwoo. But then Hyunwoo died and he was reborn into this very privileged, very safe position as the youngest grandson. So it's just, I just don't feel the stakes. I just don't feel like anything will really happen. Okay, let's, let's talk about the main characters a bit. Let's, let's backtrack into each of the main characters. Although the first episode was tough to go through, I am a little more intrigued with Hyunwoo than I am with Dojun. I just felt like the first episode was boring, but I would watch more of that than I would of what's, you know, what's happening right now with Dojun winning everything. Um, I keep remembering that at this moment, mentally, Dojun is like 60 years old. And I feel like there's a bit of a disconnect there. I don't know. The 10 or so year time skip really didn't help. I would have wanted to see the relationships he developed with his aunts and uncles, with his cousins, with his grandfather. I just felt like when we saw them in the 80s, when we saw them after the time skip, and when we saw them in the distant future, in the 2020s, they were just the same people. I, I just, that's why, to me, they're boring characters. Because too consistent. Because I don't know, man. It's been 30 years. You could be a little different in the 80s, 90s, and 2020s. Anyway, I, I hope we get a time skip soon and we see a bit of an older Dojun. Because I'm, I'm not buying the whole college student who's too smart for his own good thing. Like, as Hyunwoo, he seems like an underdog fighting against the big guy. But as Dojun, he's just overpowered and untouchable. And so, honest to God, it felt gratifying to see him lose Hyunwoo's mother. <laughs> Despite how hard he tried to fix the situation in a very convoluted way, I, I liked seeing him lose. And you know the fact that I don't even care about the mother that they killed off? Is a sign that I don't really care. Next main character, Lee Sung Min as Chairman Jin is great. 
As expected, I didn't know that people didn't know that Lee Sung-min was a fantastic actor. He can be a little guy. He can be a pathetic man. He can be gruff but deeply loving. He can be the most powerful person in the room. He can be an absolute menace. He's great. He can do it all. Character-wise, Chairman Jin-wise, I like that he is painted as a dirty, filthy capitalist. I really appreciate that. I like how Hyunwoo probably respected him a lot as a businessman because he only knew him through his autobiography. But then when Hyunwoo met him as Dojun in real life, more and more he saw how terrible of a person Chairman Jin is. Never meet your idols. I like that. That's a nice dynamic. If I watch this show with Chairman Jin as the center, as the protagonist and not Dojun, I think it would be more interesting. The only way to get this man's attention and maybe even affection, because he is affectionate towards Dojun, the only way to do that is to be useful to the business. And that's why everyone's just this cartoony, greedy person, because that is going to be your most dominant personality trait if you grew up in that environment. Uh, I don't know, I wish the family aspect of the show felt stronger and then maybe I'd feel feel something towards it. The trauma, I guess, of, of growing up with that kind of father. Maybe they, they would show that more in the future episodes, but as of episode 6, I don't really feel it. I can rationalize it, obviously, I can explain it, but I, I don't feel it. Uh, I've barely mentioned Shin Yun Bin's character here, and that's okay, because she's barely here, <laughs> okay? She is truly irrelevant to the plot at the moment. She probably will be more relevant when they're older and she's already a prosecutor, so maybe episodes 8 to 10? At this point in the plot, all she does is like drop crumbs of supposed romance with Dojun while she's still a 20-year-old in college. She acts like a kid compared to Dojun, who is mentally 60 years old, and tonally, she is so far away from the rest of the show. That's why I, I just I can't care about her right now. It's very similar to Sol Yun's role in My Country, The New Age. Like Her existence as the third build actor does not mean that she is nearly as important as the first two characters. And any attempt to add her to the plot, to, to shoehorn her in and give her, you know, maybe two minutes of screen time an episode, it only emphasizes how little of an impact she makes, how unimportant she is at the moment, at the moment, at the moment, my god. I do think that Sun Yang will do something to her or to her family, and that's why she becomes a prosecutor who wants to bring them down. And then when everything's done, I think everyone will die or go to jail, and she'll be the final girl who will tell the story of how she brought down the Sun Yang group. But at the moment, really, she is irrelevant. So, yay, the fun part. I get to talk about designated survivor 60 days again. Woohoo! This is not to compare them, by the way, and say that the designated survivor is better, okay? No, it's not. It's not. It's just to point out the writer's weaknesses now that I just finished re-watching Designated Survivor! Which is very funny that I ended up watching these two shows at the same time. Anyway, to begin this and start with a more neutral stance, I will criticize Designated Survivor now that, you know, the luster of the first watch has worn off. The start of 
designated driver was very slow, even sappy, you know, too much. It often did that K-drama thing where they have a dozen shots of the same moment in different angles to build up the suspense, or all these sweeping shots of flashbacks with dead people to establish how sad it is that they died because of the bombing. If you want to just get to the, the thrilling plot, the very thrilling plot, yeah, those moments are annoying. <laughs> they are, because they take forever. But I do appreciate the attempt to build an emotional connection to the people that these characters are trying to honor. And it helps in establishing a connection with our protagonist, because he's not a politician, he's a fish out of water, he's an underdog, he's an idealist, and all the other characters are doing power plays and schemes and conspiracies with their own agendas, and he's here just trying to do his best with very little political ambition, only trying to honor all the people that have died. And then you watch him grow more comfortable and competent in the political world, and then he has all these tough decisions that he has to make, and he can't please everybody, but he's still trying to do his best holding on to his principles and some of his idealism. This is the underdog journey that drives the entire show from the beginning. That's what I want to feel for my protagonist, you know? And, okay, to, to compare the shows a little bit, because we're already here, no one can compete with Designated Survivor's stakes, okay? Like, I keep mentioning there are no stakes in Reborn Rich. I will not compare their stakes because it's really unfair. Like, imagine in Designated Survivor, the stakes are either this plan succeeds or this could trigger a series of events that would lead to World War III, maybe anarchy. Maybe a military coup d'etat. Who knows, right? No one can compete with that. Now, I noticed that this writer likes to tackle broad topics. Politics, economics, finance, investment. And as someone who doesn't know much about politics, about big money, whatever, I don't care about it. It's hard for me to, to pay attention to that aspect of both of these dramas. They involve a lot of talking, a lot of explaining things and explaining what's happening to each party or something. And a lot of flashbacks to previous moments that reveal that this was all in the plan. And this actually became, for me, a major problem in the latter episodes of Designated Survivor that even in my first watch, I was already criticizing this. What else? Uh, it's not like Designated Survivor doesn't have its own set of side characters that are only greedy and power-hungry hungry and you're meant to not trust them like i'm not saying everything in designated survivor is like wholesome happy idealistic no 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 no. it has its own like stock politician characters who are greedy and power hungry and only serve their own ambitions it's just that now to really compare there's a stronger protagonist with a clear emotional journey emotional journey is important for me and the thing is in Reborn Rich you expect everyone to betray you at some point like I mean I look at that family and think at some point one by one they're gonna betray each other or they're gonna betray Dojun so yeah it, I, you'll, you see it coming a mile away so it doesn't feel that much of a betrayal it's like yeah you did exactly what I thought you would do and then in Designated Survivor some characters are yeah the definitely suspicious ones, the, the other politicians, the military people, the secret conspiracy people, obviously suspicious, yes. But it is the betrayal from the Blue House staff 
who Park Mujin trusts so much. That's what hurts the most. And it hurts even more knowing how these people once came together for a cause and they saw it falling apart and were forced to start all over again working for someone who they didn't initially want to work for. This isn't the person that they rallied themselves behind. They, they built that emotional journey so well from the very beginning that no one wants you, Park Mujin. They were all here for President Yang. Even if that ship was sinking, they were gonna sink with it with the captain but now you're here and then they were rebuilding that trust and rebuilding their hope in the country ah essentially essentially so much time was spent building the emotional connection among these characters and with these characters right between us the viewers and these characters so betrayal like that hurts more plot twists like those hurt more I feel like if anything happens in Reborn Rich, I will not be hurt. I will not care about it. Like, okay. It's really the characters that are the problem for me. Because the plot of Reborn Rich is fine. I still wonder what will happen to these characters eventually. Ah, uh, I just, I don't feel any connection with the protagonist in his revenge plot. And it's already episode 6. I, I just feel like by episode 6, I should start seeing what's going on. And I should start caring. And he should start losing. The losing is very important to me. Yeah, I'm just debating on like, does my apathy towards the characters heavily outweigh my interest in the plot? Or just, I don't know, my general curiosity in what's going to happen? I don't know yet. I, I really don't know. So that's it for me today. The verdict. Mm, I promised myself I wouldn't keep watching if I'm truly not enjoying it. And so yeah, I guess after saying all of this, I'm just gonna say I dropped it. Ah, uh, honestly, I tried watching the first half. I think I made it to the first half of episode 7 today. But I felt this compulsion to put it on 1.5 times speed. Like, I just want to know what will happen. I don't really care about the nitty gritty of it. And that's never good. That's never a good sign. I mean, once again, I want to know, like, why was Dojun removed from the family tree? Or when will Minyoung actually be a useful character? Will he go back to becoming Hyunwoo somehow? Because I, I really do want to see Hyunwoo more than Dojun. But I, I don't care enough to watch every single minute of it. And so at that point, I might as well just read the spoilers on Twitter or read a recap or something. I don't need to spend several more hours just trying to watch something that I don't really care about. I kept thinking, I kept reflecting on what would make this work for me. Right, without changing the synopsis that, you know, he still reincarnates as the youngest grandson. Like, what would make this work? I think, I've mentioned this several times, but Dojun losing more. I think he needs to lose more. I need to feel like he's not always going to win, no matter how hard he tries. He needs to slip up. People need to stop acting the way he expects them to. Maybe if he woke up as an adult and not as a kid and he didn't have, you know, he didn't have all that time to build his wealth and stuff and just play around in the shadows with his money, maybe I would like him to be a little more helpless. So he's not always a hundred 
100% prepared and ready for this. Because you may think that Chairman Jin is so powerful. Dojun is nothing compared to him. But at this point, Dojun just keeps winning. So yeah, I'd like a little more helplessness. A little more underdog to the story. I know it's not an underdog story. It's a revenge story. But even the revenge doesn't feel as emotionally charged as I would want it to be at this point. At episode 6. I don't know what happened in episode 7 and 8 that aired by the time I released this. So I'll, I'll read the recap maybe. And if I'm interested... We'll see. Yeah, actually, even the directing isn't that spectacular either. So, I mean, if it were prettier, like, you know, Little Women, I stayed because it was pretty. And the acting was good. Here, the acting is good, but the directing is, it is what it is. It's just not much compelling me to stay. As I said, the plot's fine. The execution, not that bad. The acting's great. I'm just a person who needs to feel something for the characters. And I need to enjoy the episode-per-episode episode experience. That's me. I want to be at the edge of my seat. But I can't if I don't care. And the subject matter in itself is not really my wheelhouse and it's not interesting to me. Oh, and by the way, if you enjoy it, that's great. I've seen many people say that they're thrilled by it. That even if they don't know anything about finance or investment, like they still are able to pay attention. And yeah, the plot itself is intriguing because you don't know what will happen next. Yeah, okay. Good for you. I hope it stays satisfying all throughout because you never know. You never know nowadays. But it is fully pre-produced. So this is the story that they wanted to tell the way that they wanted to tell it. So I hope it works out. It's doing great in ratings. As of this morning, it's the fourth highest cable drama of all time. Only after World of the Married, Crash Landing on You, Sky Castle. So that's huge. It's it's JTBC's biggest hit since God knows how long. Um, World of the Married? Maybe? No. Maybe. Not JTBC's best drama. Not their best drama this year. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say it is. Uh, what else? Warner is topping the buzzworthy drama and actors list. It's gonna be fine. Doesn't need me to, to watch it. So, yeah, I hope that somehow this review added some value even though I'm not good at explaining the stuff because I don't fully understand it. And all I can say is that I really don't feel any attachment. But if you're enjoying it, great. I hope it stays great. If you're not, you're not alone. <laughs> you don't have to pressure yourself to watch something just because everyone's watching it. Yeah, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to leave a comment, like, subscribe, follow, and tell me what you thought about today's episode. See you soon!